You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, welcome inside one giant step after a beatdown at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm Sean Morris. He's Paul Dettino here on our Losing Monday recap. Paul, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Doing okay. And, you know, that weather during Sunday's game was kind of weird. Didn't know what to expect. Thought there might be some precip. There was early. Then it stopped. And then, of course, we actually got snow after the game was over. <laughs> I Yeah. A matter of fact, we were taping this on Monday morning. I had to wake up after, again, losing to the Eagles, which is a fan, rips my heart out. But the way they lost, go out to my car and see at four in the morning snow all over it. Not a good sign for all my neighbors ring doorbell cameras. as I was in my boxer scraping snow off the car and slippers. So that's what the day started like for me, Paul. And away we go. <laughs> but but I guess that's still a better image than some of the giant defenders in coverage yesterday. So we both. Both expected a loss, Paul, clearly. The Eagles are clearly a better team, and we understand that. We understand that the Giants are still very much undermanned. Uh, We taped the podcast on Thursday, and obviously at the time of taping, we still both thought Leonard Williams would play. Clearly that became evident after the taping. He would not. The Saquon Barkley injury emerged. He ended up playing. Uh, And of course, as we alluded to, Win or lose, the biggest game for the Giants was still going to be the one coming up this week versus the Commanders. So, and with Seattle, which you and I were all over, you know, that schedule playing out, the Seattle loss helped numb the pain a little bit here uh, with what the Giants have going on. Now, I'd like a Lions loss as well, but let's just get into exactly what went down versus the Eagles. Look, there's undermanned and outclassed and, and overmatched, and I get all of that. There's also giving up 48 points and looking at times, at least from a fan perspective, like the Giants of the last couple of years, Joe Judge, the end of the Pat Shermer era. And I know they're not that. And I know that this is a different team. And we could talk about wake up calls. And, and I still think that losing Jackson McKinney was so big to that secondary. But Paul, 48 points at home to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's any way you try to twist it. It still is very, very disheartening. And I know that it's the NFL, and I know they could put it put it behind them in six days. But, man, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it just it's never going to be easy when you give up that many points to the Eagles at home for a fan to sit there, swallow, and be okay with it. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I think that, you know, it was an embarrassing defeat in every way. And as you say, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I think at the same time, You know, you have to look at what the NFL is today and you have your level of elite teams 
And you have a Philadelphia Eagles team that all along since July, I expected to be the NFC team going into the Super Bowl because that's what they are. They are legitimate, true Super Bowl contenders, if not favorites to win it. And you have a Giants team that is trying to dig out from, from the quicksand to hold on to a seventh seed in the conference for a playoff spot. In other words, you're looking at Mike Tyson against maybe a Wilfredo Benitez. Well, Mike Tyson's going to knock out Wilfredo Benitez every time, and it's going to be ugly. That's but just Paul, the nature of the business. See, this is where I'm going to push back a little bit. Yes, okay, that, that reference makes sense in reality. But the Giants also didn't need to basically feel like they had zero chance in the game. I mean, we brought up – I mean, I know that things happen in the NFL, and we talk about the NFL being so week to week. The Eagles did lose to the Commanders. They did nearly lose to the Colts. Geez, to start the year, I mean, they only beat the Lions by three points. It's not as if the Giants stepped on a field yesterday – and the Eagles every week are dropping near 50 points in opponents. Now, I know they killed the Titans the week before. Maybe it's wrong place, wrong time. But, I mean, I mean to have the, the the events happen that lead to that. You know what? You go down 7 nothing. wink adjust the defense, that's fine. To give up that fourth and seven with Julian Love and then have Gillen have the punt. And then offensively, I mean, to start the game, Thomas and Neal getting baked. And Thomas really hasn't done that all year. And just... No counterpunch. And then when you finally get in the end zone, you feel a little momentum. They have the special teams give up the big return like that. I mean, Paul, look, Tyson, all of that, that's all, all well and good. The Giants did everything they could to keep themselves out of this game and not have yeah. it anywhere near close. No, Sean, I think it's fair to say that this was the Giants' worst performance of the season, even oh, oh, worse yeah. than the game against Detroit. Definitely. Seriously. I, oh, I agree with that. The Giants played. They brought like their D game. Okay. And Philly brought their A game. So if you've got Tyson against Benitez and Tyson is rolling on all cylinders and Benitez is fighting, you know, basically with one arm. Uh, again, it is what it is. If you're going to have a stinker game, this was the game to have it in because Philly is rolling. I mean, yeah. they got the oil on all the engine pistons, and they are rolling as good as any team can play in the NFL right now. So if you're going to drop a stinker, this was the week to do it, not next week against Washington. Well, okay, so that – and we're going to get into maybe what events were the worst of Sunday in a second, but this just segues perfectly into what's going to be my next point. I think what disheartens me the most on this Monday morning – is after we sat here a week ago following the tie, and you and I completely in lockstep about the tie is obviously much better than loss, and it's still proving to be that way with the standings. I look at the great scheme of things, 0-3-1 in the last four, 1-3-1 since the bye and since the McKinney injury. And I just, as much as I'm looking forward to Sunday, and maybe my mind is completely different by the time we do the preview podcast, and I look ahead to the schedule beyond that, the Vikings do look vulnerable. We talked about the Colts. Are the Eagles even going to play starters? I mean, the schedule is still there. Everyone's talking about how hard it is. You know, the schedule is still there with winnable games. Yeah. The Giants are putting me in a spot as a fan where even if I'm to get amped up for this game of Sunday, I'm running out of reasons right now to believe that this team is suddenly going to turn a switch and find a way to win a game or two here down the stretch. And maybe it's because of the way I've been positioned as a Giants fan the last 10 years where we've totally shifted, where everything went their way in the Eli Manning era to nothing goes the Giants way. But it's hard for me to stomach after that 48-point you know defeat 
especially if they don't get some of these guys back, and we've mentioned a couple of them, how suddenly the Giants flip a light switch so well on something because they have to be feeling demoralized in that locker room right now. You know what? I didn't get that sense from talking to the players in the locker room after the game. I think they they knew they played horribly. They knew they didn't put their best foot forward, but they also understood immediately. In fact, I believe it was uh, Hardy Ward who said to me yeah. after the game, he goes, hey, you know, this is December football, okay? I'm not going to let these guys get down, and I'm telling them, this is where it's got to happen. you got to earn it. No one's going to give us these wins to get into the playoffs. We've got to earn it. We've got to have an edge. I think these guys do have an edge, and they know it's still in front of them. And it starts this week against a team that, quite frankly, they do have more talent than. They know they gave that win away two weeks ago yeah. and wound up settling for a tie. They know they're a better team. They know the officiating that did a job on them at the end of that game. They're a better team. They got to go down and take care of business against a comparable foe and do what they need to do. Now, I will say this, Sean, in all honesty, you look at this team, they will get Leonard Williams back for this game. They've got a real chance of getting a Dory Jackson back for this game. Oh, now, McKinney had the pins removed, I believe it was on Thursday or Friday of last week, from his hand. The bad news is it, the hand did not progress as well as he had hoped. So I don't think you're going to see McKinney for at least another couple of weeks. All right. So that's not good news because, you know, we found out for all you doubters out there who didn't think maybe McKinney was as good as he was billed or you didn't think Adore Jackson was a cornerback one. Guess what? Since they've been out, you see now how valuable yeah. those two guys really are. Well, and this was always the inherent problem with the Giants and why maybe before the year, none of us expect them to be in this position of playoff race anyway, which was when people talk about the Giants' lack of talent, they have some really good top-end talent in positions. Two of those guys were Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney. The problem is, after Dory Jackson, they go from full-blown legitimate QB1 in the NFL to QB threes and fours at best. They don't have another guy that can elevate and fill that up. And for as good as he was off the scrap heap, I mean, let's face it, the bloom is now coming off the rose a little bit on Fabian Moreau as he tries to fill the shoes of a Dory Jackson, getting killed all over the field yesterday. McLeod's not within three steps of A.J. Brown on that touchdown. The Giants, yeah. and, and, it, and it's almost unfair to Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale, when he has basically half the field taken away, doesn't have to worry about what a Dory Jackson is. If he gets beat, he gets beat. But for the most part, for 60 minutes, he's going to give you that effort. There's only so much you can do. And, and if you're just a second right. late on getting home to Hurts yesterday, that's what's disheartening me, Paul. And look, I hope Dory Jackson is ready to play versus Washington. But the tape is out there right now. And the commanders, by the way, already just got to look at the Giants, got a week to rest up, and haven't had another game to examine any other tape since, which you got to figure helps in the commanders' advantage too. If Dory Jackson is not on that football field, I'm sure Heineke's rubbed his hands together going, I got to get McLaurin involved even more than I got him involved last week. That injury, and, and look, it's hindsight. You can't go back and crush the punt return forever. It, it's completely changed the trajectory of the last month of the season. There's no doubt. And to be frank with you, it was compounded by the earlier injury to Aaron Robinson, true, who I truly true. believe is a cornerback number two. Right. Right, and the reason we're not going to kick and scream at Aaron Robinson is he still had to prove it. It sucks that he got hurt, and we couldn't really see it, but you're right. I mean, look, you keep going down the thinness. It just kills you. I, I mean, 
there were times it just it felt like it was eleven on eight yesterday. It, that that's yeah. the way it felt. It just. And that's what bothers me. It's just, yes, I want to go nuts and get pumped up, and I will be. And I know I'll sit there with the pom-poms. I'll probably paint my face blue and be all revved up Sunday night. But right now, I sit there, look at it, and go, they should beat the Commanders. I think they're more talented. But you know what? Like, right now, that's going to be tough to pick yourself off the mat. They need guys back. And then after that, who knows? Who knows? It's a big game, and you want to be in big games at this time. And all of this is much better than what we've had the last couple of years. But... The way they lost yesterday, not the fact that they did lose, I think is what has kind of ripped my heart out a little bit this morning. I understand. The emotions are getting a little bit too involved in in your thought process, CC, here, and why not? I get it. I totally understand that. I would also tell you this, though. If you want to take something out of the game yesterday, just a little something, look at the fact that the defensive line and the pressure package up front did get to Jalen Hurts four times. They Sacking did. Jalen Hurts four times against that offense and that offensive line should give you a little bit of a better feel. And they did it without Leonard Williams. Yeah, and, and Thibodeau finally got a freaking holding call, which tells you he's starting to belong yeah. a little bit in the league, which was great. Uh, Ojolari got knocked around a bit in the run game, but clearly his bend and burst and physicality in, in the pass rush, I mean, he's been a complete, complete huge addition to the team. So that's a, that's a good part of it. Now, Paul, the negatives to this game yesterday, and there are quite a few. Let's just start with one. The one I will forgive, but it's just almost unbelievable is what happened to Julian Love on that fourth and seven. Now, Love has been a heart and soul warrior guy, doesn't miss tackles, so he's going to get the benefit of that doubt. Smart player, to too. Right. That is arguably the worst play of Julian Love's career and, of course, just shines a light on the problem where he, again, Julian Love, you know, you're going from a guy who at one point last year was the fourth safety, he's done such a good job, captain, everything like this, and now he's asked to do so much more with McKinney out maybe a sense of just trying to do too much with the band-aid group of the secondary and just wasn't thinking the way he fundamentally thinks, but that is an error that just can never happen on a fourth and seven. Yeah. I'm going to try to rationalize this for you, Sean, because I know Julian well, and I know how sound a football player he is and the tape that he's put out there certainly shows you that he's going to make the smart play. But you know, later on in the game, because I've already gone back and looked at some of the TV tape, uh, Daryl Johnston said, we knew going in, and I think it kind of went along the lines of what we were saying, certainly how I felt, Philadelphia was going to have to do more to lose the game than than anything else to keep the Giants competitive. The Giants were going to need at least two, probably three or four turnovers to even have a fighting chance to win. So I think Julian Love, in that spot, the smart play, the savvy football play, is it's fourth and seven. Play the man and yeah. not the ball. Now stop Make there, sure stop there near midfield. Make... Yeah, stop there yeah. near midfield. It's better than a Exactly. Turnover. Now that's the play. That's the football play. Play the man. Make the pass incomplete. You got the ball at midfield. That's, that's the savvy football play. Okay? But instead, what does he tell everybody in the press conference? Oh, I thought I had the angle. I thought I had the ball. I was going for the pick. Well, what he didn't say, and I'm going to read his mind a bit here, he went for the pick because he knew in his head, we've got to get a handful of turnovers to have a chance in hell of winning this game. So I'm going for the pick to make the big play. The problem with that logic 
is that even if he intercepts the ball, the Giants get the ball at probably the 20 because I don't see him making a big return off right. of the positioning that he had. Right. You see? So, so to me, even though he was thinking, we've got to turn over Hurts and I got to get interceptions, we got to get takeaways, that's going to really give us a chance and help us out. Even in that line of thought, I don't think he's helping them out because if you just knock the ball down or get in the way, even if he just ran in front of the receiver, there's not going to call pass interference because the ball was right there. The Giants yeah. would have got the ball near midfield. Right. So everything about his thinking was flawed, although I think I understand his intentions. Yeah, I mean, I understand his intentions. And again, I I, I really believe, maybe I'm nuts, I don't think that Julian Love has a mental lapse like that if those other guys are in the lineup. It's just, at some point, it's just too much. The, the green dot, everything, the, you know, these young guys all over, the, it's just too much. It's too much for him. Um, and he's done a great job behind, he's allowed a mistake. It just was so brutally crystallized in that moment. So that yeah. happens. And clearly then the next drive where the giants do nothing again, offensively, they go to punt. And this is where the special teams just catastrophic errors start. What the heck is Jamie Gillen thinking? What is he thinking? Look, I didn't know the rule, but something tells me an NFL punter, there's only so many rules you need to know. Can you not drop kick it? Can you just try to make a play, run with it, something like that? What I couldn't believe, and look, it's NFL rules. A drop kick on a punt suddenly in that moment becomes the most seriously penalized play I've ever seen in the NFL, Paul, because not only is it a loss of down where you can't redo the punt, they're going to push you back 10 yards past that when it was already you know, you basically could blow it dead at that point and go under. The fact that they lose yards and that somehow going backward, drop kicking a punt is a worse penalty than like pass interference or personal fouls. It was insane. I actually uh, communicated with Jeff Fiegels, uh, who should be in the Hall of Fame and, and a very dear friend of mine, one of my broadcast partners for many years this morning. And I, I tried to rationalize this whole thing with him. And all he said was it happened to him once, way back when, early in his career uh, against the Dolphins. Uh, and he had done a similar thing and got called for it. We could not explain exactly why the NFL legislates it like they do. Oh. Other than if a ball is on the ground, right? The only thing I could think of, the ball's loose on the ground like on, on a fumble scenario. And you'll see a guy sometimes try to kick it because he wants to make sure the other team doesn't recover it. Right. And so there is a very costly penalty for that. And they're using that exact rule against the, the punter. Play. Right. We're just yeah. seeing it differently because it's a punt and a guy who actually kicks the ball. Exactly. Yeah, right. Now, okay. they're, re they're legislating it exactly the same way for consistency's sake. I just wonder, and I know they're not going to do this, because I would, I would, if it was me, and I think there are many rules in the NFL rule book that need to be cleaned up. We haven't had that discussion, but that would take about three weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to see them legislate it differently for a punter so that a punter yeah. has the opportunity, if he can still kick it, let him kick it for God's sakes. Right. I thought it was a hell of an athletic play 
that he was able to right. actually kick the ball off the bounce. Or yeah, or if you do a dead ball there, you don't get the 10 yards after it. I mean, basically the team's already been penalized enough, but whatever. I mean, I mean that happened. Now, really the granddaddy of them all, people will fo- focus on the fumbled punt. To give up, and of course it's Boston Scott because basically he only does anything versus the Giants. To give up of that course. kick. To give of course. Up that, I mean, Paul, to get a little juice back, Giants maybe, maybe, at least even to make the game interesting in the second half, they score there 21-7. How do you give up that kick return? In a league where nothing gets returned anymore, how does the special teams give up that kind of kick return in that spot? I couldn't believe there are no flags on the field. I mean, that Above all, even the game was 21-0, 21-7, and maybe the game was already over. That, to me, was the most unacceptable gut punch of the whole afternoon. Yeah, 21-7, uh, 247 left in the first half. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, that's the one time the whole day that you might have felt a little spark, right? Just right. maybe. And then he goes 66 yards and immediately puts them in field goal range at the Giants' 35. And, of course, they wound up settling for the field goal. But the bottom line was this. Uh, if there was any spark whatsoever, it was extinguished on that, on that kick yeah. return. Um, I'm with you. But, but, again, what's the first thing that happens when your team is ravaged with injuries, especially, especially in the defensive backfield? Your special teams will suffer. That's as automatic. Yeah. Every head coach will tell you that. The first thing that suffers when your secondary is hurt is your special teams will crumble because you've got guys who are now trying to do too much. You're moving guys up on the depth chart. You've got other guys playing specials. Yeah. Things get lost in translation. Specials. And ironically, your secondary is partially hurt because of playing guys on specials. So, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. The chicken or the egg, Paul, the chicken or the egg. Now, you, know, you know what, Sean? Here's the, here's the only problem here, and I get the emotions of all of this, and the reality is it all smells bad because when rotten eggs are all over your floor, your floor smells bad. I yeah. get it. I get it. The problem is there's a lot of logic that explains all of it. It's terrible, Paul, but still, I know the logic explains. It's just, I can't, I don't know. It's been an emotional two days. You lose to the, I'm tired of losing to the Eagles, too. I hate the Eagles more than the Cowboys. I'm just so tired of getting my ass kicked by the Eagles year in and year and, out. Well, see, now, now, see, to be fair, the last two trips Philly made to MetLife Stadium they in the beat last them. two years, the Giants won. Yeah. Well, obviously, Sean and his computer couldn't take anymore, and they have just had a total meltdown. So Adam joins us to finish out the program. And really, Adam, what it comes down to is this. Whether or not Sean wants to take solace in the fact that Philadelphia's last two trips to the Meadowlands had resulted in Eagles' losses until what happened yesterday, of course, I think I understand why he's losing his cookies. Because the truth of the matter is the Giants are 1-8-1 and in their last 10 games within the NFC East. And that's a very painful pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, listen. Ultimately, as I welcome myself into the, into, into the episode here, I knew I knew Sean was going to have a hard time. We knew this coming into this episode, as a lot of Giants fans did. But ultimately, this feels like the nature of the loss is the culmination of the last handful of weeks, right? Injuries piling up a little bit. You're trying to get healthy. You can see the playoffs. They're in your they're in your sight lines, and it still remains the same. Go out and beat the Washington Commanders next week. And you all but lock up that very important, I think, playoff berth for this franchise in this particular season. 
And what helped them, Paul, is that even though they got absolutely beat up by the Philadelphia Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks are quietly doing the Giants favors on their own side. They go out and lose to the Carolina Panthers. And when you look at that wildcard picture with those three spots available, that loss became very significant because we know they have the tiebreaker against the Giants, but now it still keeps them entrenched in the playoff picture. And again, win, win over commanders. And all of a sudden, you know, I think it goes up to 89% chance if the Giants win to make the playoffs. So it's still very much in their hands. It's just getting past this ugly taste yesterday. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And that's why they have to flush it as we tape this on Monday morning. That's got to be the message from the coach. Again, you, you think you're going to get back Leonard Williams and Adore Jackson. Uh, Saquon Barkley did not go through very much yesterday. He was limited. He had a snap count on him. You think that he'll be in better shape uh, going into the Washington game. Again, I don't think McKinney's going to be back. Uh, you hope that Bellinger, who left the game with injured ribs yesterday, is going to be able to, uh, to make a, a quick rebound and face the commanders. You know, the Giants, again, they've got to look at the whole picture here. And what I try to explain to some people, and I know that today's uh, scribes are all interested in, well, look at the Giants. They're in a terrible slump. And oh, by the way, the measuring stick, that is the Philadelphia Eagles, shows how far the Giants have to go. Well, see, here's the point. And they're not going to tell you this, but they're missing the entire point. The entire point is the Philadelphia Eagles are two years further along in the rebuilding process than the Giants are. 100%. The Giants are like seedlings in the apple orchard. And the Philadelphia Eagles are like a full apple orchard waiting for the ripe fruit to be picked. These teams are not at the same level of development. So to say the Giants have miles to go to be a, a competitive with the Eagles, gee, no kidding, Sherlock. And the sun comes up in the east. Well, and what that's the point. It's such a big part of it, too. You win a lot of games early in the season. That's good. It matters. You're developing young talent, and you're also missing a lot of young talent if you're the New York football giants. New GM, new coach, new system, all of these things, it sometimes is very difficult to push that pause button when you're playing a division rival, right, when it matters most. But we know no doubt. Philadelphia it's wants a deep play. Adam. It's 100%. The Giants are not competing with Philadelphia for the NFC East. Right. That is a competition they can't win. They're not in that weight class. So you make no apologies. The National Football League decided that each conference is going to have seven playoff teams. They're going to put three wild cards on the table in the AFC and three wild cards on the table in the NFC. Guess what? If you're the Giants, all you care about are the teams in your weight class on your level, i.e. Washington, Seattle, maybe on the outside Detroit. Look, I keep hearing people say, well, Detroit, Detroit. They've got to run the table yeah. in order to finish at 10-7. and seven. I don't see that happening because none of the teams in the quicksand are going to run the table. And Detroit is a quicksand team. If you want to assume that they're going to run the table, you might as well assume the Giants are going to run the table too because you know, they're just another team in the quicksand. And oh, by the way, Paul, remember the tie just one week prior against Washington, 
actually really matters for the Giants, yes. right? Because it means every team, any team behind them has to get that extra win over the top yes. to have that. It takes away the tiebreaker that the Detroit Lions could have against the Giants having beaten them head to head. Yes, it's not only Detroit, which already has seven losses. It's also Seattle, which is seven and six, a half a game behind the Giants, thanks to that tie. Seattle's tie-breaking win over the Giants does them no good today because the Giants had that tie against Washington. All right, so obviously later in this week, Sean will be back. We, we all, we don't worry. Sean will return. He'll get his computer back on track. He'll get his mind back on track as the Giants will, as Paul says, flush this loss, look ahead. They got out of this game mostly unscathed. Keep an eye on Daniel Bellinger. He's obviously important to what they want to do, but hopefully they're able to go out with the healthiest version that they've had in several weeks and get that big win against the Washington Commanders. You can, of course, get this podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled, launching on YouTube. YouTube as well, so you can find us over there. You can follow you, Paul, where on Twitter? At Giants WFAN. And don't forget, Thursday night, you want San Francisco to beat the Seahawks. Third string, third string quarterbacks winning games for San Fran, Paul. Of course, just the way the NFL is meant to be built. We will be back again, of course, breaking down the New York football Giants. And we thank you for taking one giant step with us.